you stand with me as Emily comes to read our scripture this morning at the beginning of a new year? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord from Romans 12, 1 through 2. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Happy New Year, everyone. It's nice to be here together in one service. I wish we could pull this off every Sunday. But we would have to build that balcony that was in the original drawings a long time ago to get everybody in. So next Sunday, as we mentioned, we will go back to our regular schedule. But it is just a joy to be in the same room with two services that are usually together and to be able to bring in the new year with each and every one of you. And I always love preaching either the last Sunday of the year or the first when it, it falls around this time because it's a time where we're all doing two really important things. We're looking back and we're reflecting and we're evaluating where we've been, what we've done, what kind of people we've been in the last year. But in addition to looking back, we're also looking forward and we're setting some goals and we're thinking about the kind of people we want to be and the kind of things we want to improve and do better. And that makes this very fertile ground for us to think about who we're going to be as people and as a church going into this next year. And so I've felt led to start this entire month in this one chapter of the Bible, Romans 12, which has for us, as we've even begun with these two verses this morning, two verses that are probably very familiar to most of us, some really incredible, deeply spiritual insights about what it means to be a disciple, to walk faithfully with the Lord, and prayerfully as we set some goals for who we want to be as people and as a church this next year, we would, we would see these as some very high goals, but goals that the Lord would lead us to that we might walk faithfully with him. It won't surprise any of you who know me well that I also want to begin this year with a quote from John Chrysostom as he was preaching a New Year sermon some 1,700 years ago. He wrote, When you see the year coming to completion, give thanks to the Lord that he brought you to this period of years. The days move quickly and they pass by. The years come to an end and we have already traversed much of the road. But the question for us is, what noble thing have we done? And as we think about this next year, as we think through Romans 12 and hopefully reflect on our personal lives, but also on what it means to be the body of Christ, to be his church in the world, I want you to consider for a moment what my role is as your pastor. I heard a wise pastor say once, my role as pastor is not to stand between you and God. In other words, my role is not that you come to me and that I am the only place where you can access the Lord. I am not a priest, you are a priest. As believers, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we all have that role of priesthood, which means we can talk directly to the Lord ourselves. 
you can pray without my help you can hear the voice of God without my help it is not my job to stand between you and God but my role as a shepherd is to help make sure that nothing is standing between you and God and to, to shepherd us as an under shepherd of the good shepherd to help lead us as we go into a new year to make sure there is nothing that is standing between you and God between me and God and as I set some goals for us as a church I'm also setting those goals for me because listen before I'm a pastor first and foremost I'm a disciple that's the call of my life is to be faithful as a follower of Christ myself if I'm not being faithful as a disciple how can I possibly shepherd any of us to be faithful as disciples and so Romans 12 for me is also a very personal place to start that the Lord would help me walk faithfully as a disciple and would do the same for you now as we begin this chapter I also want us to just as a matter of teaching for a moment get our minds into the type of book of, of the Bible that we're studying because if you look back the last several months we've been all over the place in Scripture going all the way back to the summer of last year we walked through the Sermon on the Mount we we read through an actual sermon where Jesus was proclaiming publicly the truth of God but then we moved from a sermon to prophecy and we walked through the book of Amos some of us are still recovering from walking through the book of Amos but that was Hebrew prophecy and it's a very different kind of genre of scripture than the Sermon on the Mount and then we moved from Hebrew prophecy into the season of Advent and we were reading New Testament narratives we were reading stories about the things that happened in and around and surrounding the birth of Christ and so we moved from sermon to prophecy to narrative now we move to a different genre the New Testament epistle the, a letter written from an actual person to actual people all of which was guided by the Holy Spirit we're in a completely different style of scripture genre of scripture as we begin this chapter and why is that important well let me just make clear I believe that all scripture is inspired by God every genre of scripture is useful for teaching correcting reproving building each other up in righteousness so so it's not about giving unequal weight to one genre or another but it's how we read and understand for example and we'll talk about this as we go the next few weeks when we talk about an epistle a letter it's helpful for us to know who wrote it who received it what was going on at that time what were the circumstances and in this case the apostle paul writing to christians in rome what were they experiencing and what was the occasion the reason why he wrote the things that he did and in particular as we think through this epistle this letter to romans as we begin this morning it's really important for us to note what's happening in the letter because if you've ever studied through Romans, you know that the central part, the middle of that letter, is really deep in doctrine and theology. And a lot of it is, is really hard to understand. Many of you, if you've done a study of Romans, probably had to do it with some help, with some study tools, because that, those central chapters are really hard to understand unless you can really dig in deep and, and rely on the Holy Spirit to help you understand. Romans 12 though is now a pivot 
we're moving from that deeply doctrinal and theological section into what is practical and this makes it a really great place for us to begin the new year because Paul is, has been writing about all of these deeply theological, doctrinal, spiritual things. And now he's saying, I've told you the what, here's the so what. I've told you why this is important, but now here's what we're going to do with it. And here's how I'm appealing to you through the Holy Spirit, how we ought to live in light of all of these things we believe to be true about God. In light of all of these things we believe to be true about Jesus Christ and salvation. In light of all of these things we believe to be true about the Holy Spirit and who we are as the church, as the body. In light of all of that we believe, now here's how we then should live. And these first two verses are so packed full of truth. Honestly, we could have spent the whole month just here. But so that we might cover the entire chapter in just a few weeks, this morning we will get through the first two verses prayerfully together. And here's where Paul begins this practical section, by surrendering. How then ought we live in light of all that we believe to be true about the Lord? By surrendering all of our lives, by me surrendering all of my life to God every single day. I took that step of surrendering for the first time when I was 12 years old. But that wasn't the end of the story of me becoming a disciple. It was the beginning, right? That's where it started. Now, looking back all these years later, God has put me on that road, that journey, and I've traversed just a little bit of the way. But daily, my role as a disciple is to live in surrender with all of my life to God every single day and Paul begins this practical chapter by talking about that as we go through this epistle as we go through this letter we're going to do a little bit more word by word than we did in the narratives that we studied during Advent and the very first word of Romans chapter 12 is a very important word it's the word therefore but when Paul uses this word hear me this is really important He's not just saying, therefore, based on what he wrote in chapter 11. This is a turn of the entire letter. Everything I've written to you to this point now, therefore, here's how we live. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you. You know, when we read through Romans, especially in the, the next few chapters, we get a sense that the churches in Rome were struggling with unity. So don't overlook his address here, brothers and sisters, reminding them of who they are. Jews and Gentiles in the same church. People from different backgrounds, different walks of life. People who historically had a lot of reasons to disagree and a lot of reasons that to, to dislike each other. But he's appealing to them in unity as we move here to this how should we live. Brothers and sisters, he writes that because that's who they were. And I say that to us this morning because that's who we are. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I urge you in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In view of God's mercies, the more we grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ the more we consider 
how great his mercy is to us. That our, our salvation, our identity, the fact that God even allows us to surrender our lives to him and be called his disciples is an act of great mercy because we are such great sinners. And yet when we live in light of God's mercies, we, we begin to, to remember on a regular basis, humbly, that the only reason we're a part of this in the first place is because God invited us and welcomed us in. And along with that mercy that we've received, ought to be a part of our surrendering that we also are becoming more merciful people ourselves. That when we look at others, we look at them in light of the mercies of God and we say, as a person who has received so much mercy from him, I'm going to be the kind of person who shows much mercy to others because that's what Christ has done for us and being Christ-like means being that kind of person too. In light of God's great mercy shown to us, Paul continues, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Consider for a moment what it means to be a living sacrifice as opposed to a dead one. Think about how the Hebrew people, the Jewish people in Rome must have heard this. Or even the Gentile people who were a part of a religious upbringing were sacrifice, bringing something and offering it or bringing something and burning it was a regular part of their religious routine. The people of God in the Old Testament often brought sacrifices, but their sacrifices were dead things. They brought grain that had been threshed. They brought an animal that had been slaughtered. They brought the first fruits that had been picked from a vine or from a tree. They brought things that were dead, and they laid them before the Lord. But Paul is saying and reminding them of what they should have known all along. A religious act was never the point. It was never a point to just bring a sacrifice so that you might check off the box and say, we've done, we fulfilled our religious obligation again this month. What God wanted when his people brought them sacrifices was their hearts. What God wanted, listen, when he commanded them to bring their sacrifices was their faith. We could eat this grain. This animal could be really beneficial to us. This fruit is something we could enjoy, but we offer it out of obedience from our hearts to the Lord because we believe he's commanded us to do so and we trust that he'll provide even when we give away something we could have used. It was always about their hearts. And we see this in the scripture passage that we read as our Old Testament reading this morning. Many of you are familiar with Micah 6, 8. You probably could have quoted it by memory when Rebecca read it. But look at Micah 6, 8 in context. Look at what the prophet says about sacrifices and the purpose of bringing those dead things that they laid on the altar before the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No, Micah says, because it was never about just the act. 
God is not pleased with sacrifice, lest I bring thousands of rams or things of immense earthly value if he doesn't have my heart. What's the purpose of bringing to God things he doesn't need? He doesn't need those things. He requires those things because they're an act of the heart. They're an act of faith. And I can bring thousands and thousands of gifts to God. And if he doesn't have my heart, they are useless. No, O mortal, Micah says, God has shown you what is good. He doesn't just want religious acts of service. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly. How then should we live, right? To love mercy in light of the mercies of God, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, and to walk, to walk it out in faith and obedience humbly with the Lord your God. It's as if Paul is saying here in Romans 12, this isn't anything new for you Bible-reading folks. This is what God has always required. But rather than bringing a sacrifice that is dead, what God wants is our hearts, our surrender every day that we would give ourselves body, soul, and spirit, heart, soul, mind, and strength as living sacrifices every single day. The posture of our heart and lives is that we would wake up every day this year and say to God, here I am, send me. I am the sacrifice. My life is completely surrendered to you. Just in case I haven't convinced you yet that what Paul is saying here is nothing new, consider the words of Jesus himself. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. In Luke's version of this, it says, follow me every day. Take up their cross daily and follow me. This, Paul says, is a holy and pleasing sacrifice. Th those words are actually meant to go together. What kind of sacrifice does God require of us? A living one? One that is holy and pure? That includes what we do with our bodies and what we don't do with our bodies? And one that is pleasing to God? I love the way Native American indigenous interpretation of that part reads pleasing to god they wrote it makes his heart glad isn't that a an incredible and important goal for us as we think about the next year what things will we do with our lives that make god's heart glad i want that to be a part of my year i want god to look at the living sacrifice that i am called to be and the offerings that i bring to him as something that make his heart glad and as we consider what that looks like for all of us i think it's fair for me to ask you the question when is the last time that you experienced what paul says at the end of verse one true and proper worship now you may have experienced it here I hope you experienced it this morning. Oftentimes the music we have at South Tulsa is very conducive to experiencing true and proper worship, right? But Paul was talking about something much bigger than that. When's the last time you experienced true and proper worship outside of a corporate setting? In your, in your job, 
in your daily life, with your family, in your recreational activities, in an unexpected moment, the last place you ever expected it to happen? When is the last time you experienced worship as a part of surrendering your life to God every day? There's another great goal coming into this year that you, that we would experience more worship together. That is true, that is proper, that is acceptable, that is reasonable. There are lots of different ways to translate that verse, but in any sense, that is genuine and authentic and true worship before the God. This before God. These, these are our goals. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ, surrendering all of my life to God every day. And then, moving to verse 2, being transformed by God continually and forever. As I said, when I surrendered to Christ the first time at 12 years old, that wasn't the end, it was the beginning. But it was not only the beginning of, of me surrendering, it was the beginning of this transformation that began to happen in my heart and in my life, and it is still happening today. I can say to you with full confidence, and those of you who know me well will not doubt this, I have not arrived yet, okay? I am not at the goal. I have not reached the, the, the completion as a disciple that God has for me. Do I belong to him? Yes. Has every part of me, though, been perfectly transformed to, to being completely Christ-like in all that I do? Not yet. But daily, continually, as a disciple, as I walk with the Lord, this process continues, and it will continue forever until either the Lord calls me home or Christ returns. And the journey that I'm on, if you are a disciple, it's the same journey you're on. We are being transformed continually and forever until that process is complete. But for that transformation to take place, Paul gives a stern warning at the beginning of verse 2. Do not conform, he writes, to the pattern of this world. Another way you could translate that word, this world, is this age. Do not conform to the pattern of this age. Paul, writing to a group of people living in the heart of the Roman Empire in the first century, certainly could understand the way that we feel oftentimes as disciples today that the age in which we are living is strange and it is evil the times in which we are living they are strange and they are evil and paul wrote the same things about the times in which the church in rome the people there were living as opposed to the age to come in which christ will make all things new until that time comes we live in evil days paul says be careful be mindful as this transformation is happening continually and forever that you do not conform to the pattern of this age the pattern of this world love the way jb phillips wrote this verse do not let the world squeeze you into its mold but let god remold your minds from within don't let the world squeeze you into its mold because its mold is leading to destruction. But let God remold your minds from within. Because in Christ, we neither conform to this sinful world on the outside, nor are we to be transformed by this sinful world on the inside. 
but instead be transformed, Paul says, by the renewing of your mind. And in using the word transform along with the word conform, Paul is giving us a very well-rounded picture here that that transformation God is doing in us continually and forever, it is something that happens on the outside, but also on the inside. And it is something that happens on the inside, but also on the outside. It does transform our hearts and our minds, the way we feel, the way we think. It transforms the outside too, the way we live with our physical bodies, in obedience with our eyes and our ears and our hands and our feet. It is complete transformation and it begins with that surrender and it continues on as we walk in faithfulness with the lord inside and outside transformation these are great goals for 2023 all of us probably have a few things we'd love to see be different about the outside in the next year right our physical bodies but this transformation that God brings to us in Jesus Christ it starts in our hearts in fact this 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 same word that Paul uses here it's the word for when Jesus was transfigured remember when Jesus was with three of his disciples and they went to this high place and for just a moment they saw Jesus transfigured they saw Jesus in a way that we would imagine was was like his post-resurrected self They saw just a a glimpse for a moment of what that complete transformation can look like for all of us. It's not just on the outside, it's on the inside. It's not just on the inside, though, it's also on the outside. It is complete. As Paul wrote later to the church at Corinth, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit think about those words in light of that word talking about Jesus' transfiguration and then Paul saying this again using the same word the more we begin to see Christ in all of his glory in all of his divinity and we consider that we're being transformed into his image not into a better version of ourselves not into a better image of us but we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory as the spirit works in us how could we ever for even a moment take for granted what it means to be a disciple this transformation by god is happening in us continually and forever And the purpose of it, one of the purposes of this transformation is that as our mind is being renewed and continues to be renewed, we will get better at discernment. We will be able to discern what is good, what is pleasing to God, what is perfect. As the Lord transforms us continually and forever, we'll get better at discerning that which we hear and see and knowing what is right what is good what is pleasing what makes his heart glad and what is perfect according to his will when i think about that phrase the renewing of your mind i believe that many of us need to make this a major goal of our lives in 2023 
We, we need to renew our minds and the, the, the ways that we think and the attitudes that we have and the ways that we speak, especially the ways we speak about others. And if we are to renew our minds this year, for some of us, it will likely need to begin with some detox. We need to clear out some of those toxic things in our lives that if we're honest, they are not making us happier people. They are not making us more legitimately informed. And they are, are constantly deadening our hearts and, and, and narrowing our minds to the ways we think and look at our neighbors. If that detoxing is something you need to, to, to clear out some space of some unhealthy things in your lives, might I suggest some things to fill that space with? Fill that space this year, first and foremost, with a committed Bible reading plan. If you are a person who has been being discipled by a lot of other things more than you've been being discipled by the Word of God, as you move some of those things out, fill that space with a deep, personal, devotional study of God's Word this year. Fill that space with more time accessing God because you don't need me to do it for you. Accessing God personally in prayer and in seeking and in searching. Fill that time by being on your devices less and being around more actual, breathing people who are life-giving people for you, who are going to be people who encourage you in your study of the Word, encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Be around more life-giving people. And also, seek those things that, when we're obedient with our bodies, with our eyes, ears, hands, and feet, remind us daily that we are living sacrifices called to be holy and pleasing to God when we live that way when that kind of thing describes our discipleship we will be able to test and to approve what God's will is his good pleasing and perfect will love this quote as we close this morning from a great interpreter of the book of Romans, Leon Morris, passed away several years ago. He wrote, Christians have been introduced to the life of the world to come. What a tragedy then if they conform to the perishing world they have left. What a great way for us to think about as we evaluate one year and as we step into another. If we truly have surrendered our life to God in Jesus Christ, and if we truly are his disciples, we have been introduced to the life of the world to come. When these strange and evil days in this strange and evil age pass away, and when all that will be left is light, no more darkness. All that will be left is life, no more death. All that will be left is love in Christ, no more evil, no more hatred. We've been exposed, introduced to the life to come. May we not be those who conform back to the perishing world that we've left behind. I pray that for you. I pray that for me as an under-shepherd of the good shepherd, that in 2023, nothing will stand between you and God.
between me and God, between us and God, but that we, in light of God's mercies, would give him our all. And that as we continue to be transformed by God's Spirit and our minds continue to be renewed, that we together will discern what his will is, that which is good, that which is pleasing, and that which is perfect. Would you pray with me? As we move into our time of response, our time of invitation this morning, before I lead us in prayer, I want you to consider three calls that perhaps the Lord would send out to you as we begin this year. For some of us this morning, we need to hear the call to surrender. Maybe you've never done that for the first time. You've never actually surrendered all of your heart and all of your life to Jesus Christ. Said to Jesus, you are the Lord. You are the king of my heart. Maybe today you feel that call to surrender. Or maybe you need to re-surrender. Throw your hands up and say, God, here I am. Here's my life. Take it and use it. Maybe the call for you this morning is to worship. And even as we close here in a moment, you would give of yourself completely in worship. Or maybe it's a call to serve in a new and a fresh way. A call to be a living sacrifice every day. Or perhaps the call that you're hearing this morning is to be a more faithful disciple. One who is aware, living in surrender every day, that you are being completely transformed forever. And that as Christ is doing that work of transformation in you, you would continue to become the person that he's calling you to be, that the person that represents his image, not just a better version of yourself, but Christ in you. Lord, I pray for each and every person who is here and person watching online. Lord, there is nothing that I can say. There's nothing even that we can read out loud that has meaning for us in terms of being a disciple if the Holy Spirit is not speaking to us. And I pray, Lord, that it it would be in and by and through the Holy Spirit this morning that every heart hears from you. And Lord, for each one of us, wherever we are in this process, transversing this world together, Whatever the next step is you would lead us to take, would you show us that, give us that discernment, and then, Lord, give us the courage and the boldness to take that step. I pray that for me. I pray that for members of my family who are here. I pray that for my church family and for each and every person that you've brought today. May we take the next step, the step of obedience with you in Jesus' name.